Hello, everyone. My name is Sam Rashibasma, and uh, welcome to episode six of the Aviators Cafe podcast. Today, I have Nick from Plain Old Memes on the from and uh, some of you might follow his uh, Instagram page out there. He does some great work out there, and uh, he joins me on the line of Zoom. Uh, Nick, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, but uh, so Nick, take us back to that first moment where uh, you kind of got that spark for aviation and what got you kind of interested in it. You know, man, uh, I've always been, ever since I was a little kid, I always loved airplanes. Uh, every time I'd fly overhead, I'd, I'd look up and I'd be like, man, that's pretty cool. So uh, my whole life, I, I knew I wanted to be something in aviation. Definitely knew I want to be a pilot. Um, and uh, I started flying when I was 16, got my private on my 17th birthday. Um, got my instrument a few months later, and I just got my commercial a couple of weeks back. So it's been, it's, been a pretty good, it's been a pretty good ride, and this is only the beginning of it. Yeah, man, that's pretty great. And uh so it's always nice to see people that have that interest from aviation from early on. And uh, how did you kind of go around, like, figuring out your training? How did you end up, like, kind of, like, somewhat paying for it as well? I was lucky my family paid for everything. And that's, you know, a huge benefit that I had because I know a lot of people have to take out loans. It's very difficult for them. But I was very lucky that my parents were in a position where they could pay for it. Um, but navigating training was difficult, man. I'll tell you what, you know, I didn't come from an aviation family at all. And I didn't really have any friends or, you know, anything that was in aviation. So for me, I kind of went into it blind. I took my, you know, intro flight. And from there, I was basically leaning heavy on the instructors and the support that I got from the group of instructors there. And, you know, my CFI that I have my private instrument with, she was awesome. She kind of mama, mama birded me the whole way, you know, um, and she was exactly what I needed. She's not just an instructor, but she was a mentor and a friend. Uh, and to this day, you know, I, she's at the airlines now and I haven't flown with her in years, but not years, but like a year and a half, two years now. But uh, at any point I can call her, I can text her, she'll pick up and she'll answer. So, um, you know, just that great mentor that I had. And there's more than just one mentor I had, but it was that kind of help that I got helping navigate my training. Yeah, definitely uh, staying in touch with your old flight instructors is definitely something I definitely recommend. It's something that I do myself, you know, all the instructors that I've had. Up until now, more or less, I'm still in touch with, even though some fly for the airlines, some fly freight, you know, um, it's very important to also use whatever resources there are. Aviation is a very small world. You know, you never burn any bridges. Uh, you make sure you maintain, you create and maintain, uh, you know, contacts, relationships as long as you can, because you never know, especially the turnover rate in the aviation industry, you never know. Your instructor now could end up being your boss or your friend right now could end up being your boss or the person, you know, doing your hiring process later. So make sure you get you're on good, you know, a good standing with everybody. And that's, you know, your, your golden ticket right there. Yeah, that's for sure. That's what aviation is. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, and that definitely, um, that definitely gets you further ahead than, you know, just your, your pilot qualifications. Oh yeah. And, you know, there are some people that are out there that, you know, burn their bridges and then, you know, it kind of shafts them later because they're like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're just like, you know, they're going through a rough patch and then they kind of burn bridges and it's like, okay, great. Just, you know, kind of mess yourself up there. Good job, dumbass. You really played yourself on that one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, well, where do you kind of see, what's kind of like your goal with aviation? You want to like go fly for the airlines or? You know, man, that's a good question. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out, my, my, out myself. You know, when I went into aviation, when I was, you know, you know, 14, 15, when I was, you know, figuring out the whole um, pilot thing, 
I always wanted to go airlines. And now that I've started flying and I've started talking to people, I realized that corporate, something like NetJets or FlexJets, something that's the best of both worlds is, is a very appealing to me. So if NetJets or FlexJets, definitely my, my top kind of um, uh, just kind of a goal right now. But I wouldn't necessarily turn down a good airline job. You know, if I didn't, I'd definitely go Endeavor and then go to Delta. Yeah, I mean, that's what I kind of, I kind of like the similar process as well, but uh, I kind of, I'm kind of like aiming myself for the freight side because I want to fly 747, but. Oh, dude, and, and job security there is, I mean, it's just stupid, man. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, especially with freight, you know, we saw that in the pandemic, you know. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But um, how, what also kind of, and that's something I wanted to touch on as well is, um, how, how did you uh, come up with the idea of your meme page? Because I know like a lot of people follow that as well. Was it kind of like on a dare or something? You know, it's funny because, you know, social media has always been my forte, whether or not, um, you know, in, in high school and stuff, I'd run all the social media pages. Um, I've gone viral on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, which are, you know, for different reasons. And I'm going to keep those pages separate. So if you know who I am on TikTok, don't, don't, you know, say anything, but um, I always made me, I always thought it was funny. Um, and there was, when I made my name page back in what, I think it was 2017. Um, I started the page, the only really meme page out there was low altitude at the time it was ATC memes. And so I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll dip my feet into this, see what happens. And, um, yeah, now there's, I mean, so many of them and they're all great. And, and every single person who runs those pages are awesome. I've had the, you know, the privilege of talking to a lot of those guys and they're great people, but I actually started, I actually made the account in a, in a Panera, uh, cause I I'd made a couple memes. I'm like, I got to post them, you know, I got to, you know, throw them out there. So I made a meme page in a Panera and uh, I started posting them, uh, routinely the once a day and it just kind of took off from there very slowly. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know I got a good kick out of some of them as well. And I, and I you, even though, even though like I make so many memes, I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna post these, and that'll be just so much work for me to keep posting them every day. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm lucky. I also get a lot of submissions from people who follow me. So you know, if I don't make something of my own, I can always dig back into my reserves of things that people sent me and I post them. But yeah, I think I think actually some of my most like viewed posts are things that I didn't even make. It was made by other people that sent them to me. So. Yeah, whatever. Oh, there worked. you go. That, that's a, that's a, that's a top tip for everyone, right? If you're oh, yeah. making a main page, make sure you have a lot of people that, that give you submissions. Exactly. And I'm lucky, man. I, I've you know the, the, the page is awesome because I get to talk to people from all over the world, all over the country, uh, in a lot of different positions. I've talked to you know fighter pilots and military guys and you know freight guys. I mean, I've, I've talked to everybody, and it's really cool because it's definitely influenced my training, influenced my views on the aviation industry, which is it's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely awesome. And it's definitely something uh, pretty cool about aviation. You know, it's just, it's a small community and you meet people so quickly that, you know, you don't know where they're going to be. And this kind of ties back to, you know, not burning bridges with other people. Yep. And, you know, just staying in touch with those people. It's just like, oh yeah, you're such a so-and-so from so-and-so Instagram page. And, you know, it's like, you exactly. know, like, you know, that can start off on a good note on an interview or something, you know, like that's definitely something. I would definitely shut my mouth about my meme page. It's like my worst nightmare that the recruiting people find it. Um, even though, I mean, it's very obvious that that's humor. A lot of people in the aviation industry, especially high up, don't necessarily have that sense of humor. So I try to, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you get kind of got a disclaimer on the post, like, hey, this is a joke. Please don't take this seriously. 
I think in my meme page, like in the actual bio, it says, please don't take it seriously. Like this is just for comedic purposes or some, some of those lines. Yeah, but, that's definitely important because like, you know, you, you could like post a meme thinking it's kind of obvious as a joke and then someone could take it the wrong way and then that's the end of that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen, uh, at least not seen, but like heard of some people it's like kind of doing something for like as a joke and like, you know, they get messed up about it. Yeah, I think there's actually a funny story. I'm not going to say who it was, what company, whatever, but I posted a meme of something that happened. It was like somebody, something happened at a flight school and the guy sent me a picture of it. And I posted it and he ended up getting fired for it through my meme page. I, I, I kind of felt bad at the same time. I'm not the one who got fired. I mean, I, I'm not the one who set, took the picture and sent it to my meme page and got it posted, but um, he got a new job and it's all good, but it was just really, uh, really funny at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example, you know, like, you know, you send them something to a meme page thinking it's a joke and that's obviously a joke, but then, you know, someone, you know, gets fired for it. So definitely yeah, be I've, careful out there. Oh, yeah. I, I've had posts, you know, um, that I've taken pictures of stuff that I've taken that, you know, uh, ended up, you know, being a problem. Uh, and, I, and I've since deleted some posts. Um, I'm not going to go into specifics, but there was one video that I took that nothing illegal happened. It was So there's... I'm not going to, I'm, I'm trying to be like, walk the line between like giving you the whole picture without actually giving it away of what the post was and getting myself in trouble. But I, I made a post where it was, I didn't do anything wrong. There was another pilot doing something wrong. I recorded it. I recorded it laughing and then, you know, ended up in the hands of the Fizdos um, and they were really unhappy. And, but you know, I didn't do anything illegal. I was just standing there laughing at another pilot being a dumbass. Um, and that was, that was, everything was completely on them. It was completely their fault, but you know, just making these videos and, you know, it's, it, I think a lot of people are very, you know, huge sticklers in the aviation industry. They don't want to see anybody laugh. They don't want to see anybody smile. They just are here to fly the airplane. That's kind of, you know, that's not who I am. I love to joke about it. I love to make jokes about it, you know, inject some humor into every situation. But in the cockpit, when I'm, when I'm acting as a pilot in command, I flip a switch. I'm serious. I'm flying the airplane. I'm a pilot. But, yeah. And I, and I think that's important for every, every pilot that's listening to this or anyone that's and related to aviation that's listening to this you know you should be able to like flick a switch in your head and know like when this is when you're supposed to be serious and when you can like make a joke you know not everything in aviation is a joke you know oh, not at all. and uh, you know you have to take your job seriously you know whether that you're an amp and you're listening to this or you're you know you're uh you know whatever in aviation or flight attendant or you're a pilot or, or controller you know you have to be able to flick a switch and be serious about it and also no one to kind of take a light, light touch of humor, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, a little kind of tensional leaf, yeah. I guess. To, and, yeah. to not, and to not like, you know, tell someone off about it. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. I mean, that's a career, really. You have to be able to joke about it, but you got to know it's to be serious. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you joke about it like with a beer with your buddies about it, but you don't t tell the, you know, not yeah. everyone has to know like about it all the details yeah. but uh at what what point are you in your aviation general are you working on commercial multi cfi I'm working on multi i think i'm gonna knock out my multi first so i'm gonna do my cfi <coughs> sorry uh, excuse me but uh yeah i just got my commercial um and i'm gonna be back uh, i'm gonna probably start in the fall once i get back to college because it's kind of the end of the semester and i don't want to start something i can't finish so I'll just, I'm going to knock out the wheel while I'm at home. And then once I go back to college, I'll do my multi and then my CFI. 
but what, what, was, what made you think like I choose to do CFIRA? Because I, I know there's like a lot of other ways to like build your town, like aerial survey and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing about CFI is a it solidifies your knowledge as a pilot. You know, in, in order to know, in order to teach somebody, you really got to know it. So I think I want, I really want to be able to understand the information. It looks better on a resume. Um, but I think the biggest thing is it's, it's really easy. You don't really need to have connections in order to get that job. And I don't really have a lot of connections in terms of those low, lower level jobs, like surveying or whatever. So it's really easy. Um, I do have connections with some, you know, 91 uh, outfitters that fly, like, you know, at, but they'll, they'll only really hire like 500 hours. So as a, you know, as a CFI, I'm at like 300 hours. I still need 200 hours to get to 500 in order to start looking at these 91 outfitters. So if I can knock that out and then do it, that'd be great. Yeah, and, you know, at least, you know, from other people as well, like uh, what I've heard around that, indeed, as you say, like it looks better on a resume. And also uh, keeping it current as well is something that I've heard um, helps people uh, further along because you get to like miss a class of like in the airlines and stuff. I forget exactly which one, but yeah, it's it's uh, if anyone wants to know more about it, it's episode one of my podcast uh, with PJ Hassett. Um, we go deep into all that um, CFI, uh, how days you can, like you miss like one day at class fundamental construction, I think when you go for like your check airman or something. But on a resume, it definitely looks good. Um, and also keeping whatever type ratings you have um, on the back of your commercial or multi or whatever, just to, just as like essentially like as another resume thing, because they're not going to look in your logbook if you have like a type rating for like a P3 or Orion or something. Yeah. And also just like, you know, whatever else, you know, you're doing, if you're like military, just make sure you got all your things on your certificates and stuff, but definitely right. keeping that CFI, if you ever get it current. Um, I know with American flyers, they do a pretty good job keeping your CFI current as well as with King school. So those are two options for anyone that is interested. I didn't see, I didn't know that. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, with I know with King Schools, I think it's like a, I'm not exactly sure, so don't quote me on it. It's like 125 for the code of the course, and then uh, for them to work work it in Iacra. But then, you know, you have to pay that for every two years to 125. If I'm not mistaken. And then for American Flyers, it's like 100 bucks, and then the code is good for a lifetime, and it's 25 bucks every time for them to work it in Iacra for you. So. Okay. So that's those are like two options for, you know, whoever is interested in listening. It. I'm not exactly sure about the King Schools, but I know for sure with the American Flyers it is that way. Gotcha. But uh, you, you also plan on doing MEI or is it just CFI double I? Um, I don't know if I'm gonna do double I. That's the thing. I don't know if I don't know if I'm gonna do double I. I'm definitely gonna do CFI, and if my flight school needs it, I'll do MEI. The, the flight school that I'm most likely gonna end up working at. Um, not going to say names, not going to say locations. I don't, you know, trying to say, remain at least semi-anonymous here, but, um, they're, they, they have, they really need CFIs, just the regular CFIs, CFIs, they have enough of them. And if they, if you, if they really need a CFII or an MEI, they'll pay for it. So I'll do my CFI, get on with them. And if they really need me to do it, I'll do it if they pay for it. Yeah. That's the big thing, right? They got to pay for it, right? <laughs> and, hey, I'm not going to do it, but if they want it, that bad i guess i'll have to pay for it you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly as long as you, know, you can kind of do it on you know if they, if they really need it that is 
yeah, it's expensive as hell. So that's why I'm like trying to conserve a little money. I mean, getting to where I am already as cost. I mean, it, I, I have two kidneys and one of them was looking real sellable right about now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't all our organs are kind of sellable. The market for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, aviation is expensive business. And if your family can definitely help with that, you know, definitely. No, literally like we did this podcast interview, man. I, I I got an email from that flight school saying we're increasing our rates again because of fuel. And I'm like, fuck, like, dude, no. Yeah, I know a, a flight school I usually rent at. I'm not going to name names because, you know, I, I try to keep my kind of business anonymous as well for the most exactly. part. Because right? I don't want to name names, especially when they increase their prices by over 40 bucks in the past year. 20 yeah, like, in like last week. When I started flying with this flight school, 72, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's an older model, but it's, it's, it's in really good conditions, very clean. Um, I started flying with them. I think it was like 140 an hour, and it's gotten up to like nearly 160 an hour now. And it's, it's mostly because of fuel and insurance rates, because fuel, obviously, as we all know, fuel is ridiculously expensive. I drive a truck. So if anybody knows how bad the gas prices are right now, it's me. But also, jumping out of their fucking planes now my the insurance rates are going through the roof uh people like trevor jacobs and those two red bull dumbasses we got thanks so insurance is is insane the insurance companies have no mercy so between all of that i mean prices for aviation are just skyrocketing and there is no end in sight yeah yeah those three those two incidences yeah they, 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 oh, bankrupted, they bankrupted the insurance companies and i'm not going to comment on what they did <laughs> No, the, I mean, the insurance companies are getting ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's gotten to a point where, you know, like, for example, the, uh, my flight school's manager was telling me because, I mean, it's a, it's a mom and pop shop. So we all just kind of hang around and talk and shoot the breeze every now and again. But they were talking about how if you want to do a multi, if you want to rent the multi, you have to have like 25 hours in it or 25 hours in type and like 30. I don't know. It's, it's some ridiculous rules now that they put in. I couldn't tell you exactly what they are. But, yeah, the insurance companies are just getting really more and more greedy. And I think that is because of a because they can, and b because people do keep messing up in aviation. Uh, one of the I was talking to a guy who owns a Baron, and his his prices are increasing because people keep forgetting to put the damn gear down. Um, so yeah, man, it's 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 rough out here for sure. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes wondered, you know, with the planes that have retractable gear, if people are actually listening to the gear horn going off at all, or like you know. Are even paying attention to it we had a gear up incident in my my original flight school again not gonna name names not gonna say where it happened but you know it really made me wonder how how do you manage that there's three alarms that go off in the airplane it's if your power is below a certain you know setting if you're below a certain altitude without the gear down or if your flaps are in a certain configuration the gear is now like it's like there's three different alarms that are going off how do you manage to be that stupid yeah i mean and yeah. I'm as sensitive as. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I know there was like one jet that landed here in Daytona a couple years ago. I'm not going to name names from the flight school it belonged to or the FBO it belonged to. But they did a belly up landing and shut down the only 10,000 foot runway we have here in Daytona, and all the airliners had to divert until oh, yeah. they cleared it off the runway. So, I mean, I've seen it, you know, and it's. You know, I've seen it like so many times and it's like, okay, how do you manage that? You know, there's like so many alarms going off. Exactly. I just, 
I flew a Piper Arrow that had, again, retractable gear for my complex. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, if you're pulling the power just to slow down, like if air traffic control, if you're like, I, was, I remember there was one incident where I was 15 miles away from the airport. I'm still at like 5,000 feet. And they're like, please maintain slowest speed. We're trying to vector you in behind an airliner. I'm like, that's fine. So I pulled the power and the, and the alarm starts going off. So it's sensitive as hell. So it's not like it's not, it's not like it's an alarm that works half the time. It's, a, it's an alarm that works 150 turns of the time. It works when it doesn't need to work. So how do you manage to land it without the gears beyond me? But Yeah, I mean, I've seen it all the time. And to the point where I'm not – the flight school did my private at. I'm not going to name names. Uh, they require renter's insurance. And they require you like every two or three months to do a checkout with a CFO. So, jeez, I mean, it's a little excessive. I'm not going to name names, but you know, it's, yeah, it is excessive to do that. But I mean, I guess they have had enough stupid people do stupid stuff that, like, you know, they're like, hey, we need to have you do a checkout every two or three months just to make sure that you know you're not doing stupid stuff. Like for their insurance purposes, because it's going to be a lot cheaper for them, I'm, I'm assuming, if they do that. But yeah. I mean, I guess it has to do something with insurance, but uh, I still find it excessive, you know. I mean, compared to like other places where it's just a checkout for once and you're good, generally speaking. Yeah. But, or like, you know, require renter's insurance at least, like, you know, but oh well. Yeah. Insurance, aircraft, non owned insurance. And uh, in fact, I just signed the paperwork for it yesterday to extend it. Yeah, I, which reminds me, I have to extend my runner's insurance. I haven't had a chance to come around to that yet. I don't know what company have, but mine has the automatic renewal. Or they just send me the paperwork just to make sure everything's still the same. And they charge my card, which is really nice. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to set it on the calendar. So if you yeah, can't do that. I, yeah, I mean, I try, I try to like um, budget for it because I'm kind of like a stickler for like budgeting. So I kind of like have everything on manual pay. So yeah. So I just want to make sure like, hey, am I – do I need this? How much am I running outside of my regular commercial training, et cetera, et cetera. And then I just send it that's, through or I don't send it through. Or I just delay it. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, definitely something to consider if you're out there and you're flying a lot on, on your own to have at least some kind of renter's insurance because, you know, it might save you if you do get into an accident or something and you know, from you having oh, yeah. out of pocket and stuff. Hundred percent, man. Can I? I mean, and there's certain things, not necessarily out of your control, but there's certain things that can definitely happen that you might not be expecting. So it, it's always good to have insurance. Yeah, and also kind of plays into like, hey, don't do stupid stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are some factors like, you know, for example, like you park your plane and like Jet Atlantic comes by and blasts your plane over, you know. Yeah, or a hurricane because from, you know, you're if you're in Daytona, you guys know a thing or two about hurricanes. Don't even get me started on hurricanes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm Florida born and raised, so I know a thing or two about hurricanes. I've been through a lot of hurricanes. It's it ain't fun. Yeah, I've, I've only been down here for about, like, what, three years, four years, and I have had, like, at least one hurricane every year. Yeah. You guys, you, were you here for, uh, what was it, Irma? Uh, hurricane Irma, I think it was, like, no. 2017. No, I was, I was, I only came down here in 2019. 
Okay, so you were here. I was here for Irma. That was supposed to be like real, real bad. It was. It ended up being nowhere near as bad as I thought it was. We were like planning for like an Armageddon. I remember all the flight schools, everything. There was literally not a single airplane left in Florida. They were all flown up north to Georgia, at least to Georgia. I didn't know if you went to Tennessee, in Alabama. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was I was around for Hurricane Dorian, and uh, like Ember Riddle evacuated the entire lot. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, Ember Riddle's flight line, I don't even know how much more, how many millions are in there. Yeah, Do you know how many 172 they'll have? Uh, last time, at least as far as I know, um, they have about 90 172s and about oh, a dozen shit. DA-42s. Yeah, no, that'll, that'll, yeah. So, if, I mean, if we I don't if, blame them yeah, at all. I mean, million, that's like almost $100 million, over $100 million worth of aircraft out there. So, I don't blame Yeah, them. so that's why, I mean, I don't blame them. I know I gave away just where I go to college, which I don't mind, but, um, uh, you know, it, that's just how it is. I mean, I don't blame them, you know, especially considering back, and I think it was 06, don't quote me on it. Uh, there was like a tornado that ripped through Ember Riddle's like entire campus and just destroyed all their entire flat line. So I think they're a little paranoid from that. Oh yeah, that was what yeah, it was day or New Year's Day or something like that. No, no, it was like I think Christmas Day or something. So I think it was like 06, 07, something like that. Yeah. Uh, don't quote me on it. Um, but it was something like that. But uh, like their entire flight line got destroyed, and you know everyone could look that up on online, but. You know, I don't blame them. Like, the entire flight line was just gone. Yeah. Like, it was all just scrap metal. Like, so yeah, I don't blame them. Paranoid, our like, you know, evacuating all their airplanes. But it's a pretty cool spectacle to see, like, you know, 9172 taking off one right behind the other, like, for a while. Yeah. And they have more on the way, so. I don't know how where they're going to yeah. be parking their 172s at this point. Like the ramps full. Y'all's yeah, ramp. I mean, you, you don't have enough. You guys got to start expanding ramps. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, I right? Riddle full. Yeah, I mean, the riddle ramp is full to the point where they're using the, an FBO ramp and their research park ramp. Yeah, no, it's it's getting bad over there. I mean, they're expanding like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to comment on what they're doing on their expansion, but they're expanding aggressively. Yeah. Because I feel like if I'm going to talk, I'm going to get in trouble and I don't want to get in trouble. Nah, I, I, I'm the same way, man. I don't want to, I don't want to talk myself into a hole. It's like a check ride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's aviation, right? We don't want to sink ourselves into a hole. Exactly. And don't burn any bridges. So <laughs> we're coming off full circle. Yeah. That, that's, that's the circle of life, right? It just comes around, right? There you go. So uh, this is where I kind of, as I like, like to wrap up my podcast, is kind of like the rapid fire section. It's kind of oh, like first cool, things, man. the kind of things that kind of come to your mind. So uh, let's say you're in an airport and you're making a connecting flight. What's your kind of like go-to airport food? Oh man, that Panda Express be slapping at the airport terminal. It'd be slapping. <laughs> uh, that orange chicken, the, the, the chicken fried rice, man, all the way, all the way. Can't, some some Chinese like Panda Express, uh, all the way. But, yeah. but a good coffee from Starbucks always be hit, always be hitting too. 
So yeah, how about the combo uh, from Pan Express Chinese food and the Starbucks afterwards? Oh, man, I'm not rich like that, man. Maybe you are, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not rich like that either. I just literally like buy the cheapest thing I can get. <laughs> and if I that's a cliff bar, then that's a cliff bar. What's the favorite kind of like approach you have done into like kind of like give me like a challenging approach you have done uh, into any airport um, so far? You know, I've done a lot of a, a pretty challenging approaches. The first time I ever shot, I mean, this was just the weather, but I, the first time I ever shot down or shot uh, an approach down to minimums, uh, it was actually the ILS. It was ILS runway six into Columbus, Georgia. It was the first time I was doing it solo. Uh, I was after I got my instrument, and that was the first time I ever shot an approach down to minimums. I broke out like 50 feet above minimums, and that was really scary and challenging, really put my instrument flying to a test, to the test, but I had a really good training, so I was good there. I think the most challenging airport that I fly into on a, on a pretty you know, regular basis is uh, Albert Witted in downtown St. Pete, Florida, only because, um, you know, you, you got a really short runway. It's got water on both sides, so there's really not a lot of room for air, um, yeah, but it's also my favorite because it's the, definitely the most scenic approach you can do, but yeah. That's cool. Uh... What's an airport you would like to fly into one day? It might be like when you have a corporate job or airline job in the future. Oh, some like Eagle or like Vail, one of those like ski, ski resort towns out, out west. That'd be cool um, in the mountains. I've never flown near mountains before because, as I said, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Florida. I stay in the south, really, so I don't really get to see mountains. I mean, I saw Mount Cheeha in Alabama, but that's really about it. Yeah, that if you want a nice challenge, fly into Asheville, North Carolina. It's a nice uh, little airport there. Well, that's actually not that not that far, so that's that's. A, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, and they also have an ILS, so you can also. Ooh, that's okay. A, so uh, you can keep that in mind as well. Get out of jail free. Yeah, uh, what's your favorite airplane? Airplane, man, that's a good question. Tough question. I can tell you my least favorite airplane. That's a uh, Piaggio P180 Avanti. I made lots of memes about those bitches. They sound awful. Amen to that. My favorite. My favorite I, I couldn't tell you, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the uh, the F-18. Uh, obviously, I, I honestly, if I had to say the coolest airplanes I've seen is like a Tu-95 Bear, which is Russian. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this, it's basically like the Russian turboprop version of B-52. I think it's a really cool airplane. Um, the Antonov An-225, rest in peace, is also one of my favorite airplanes. Yeah, rest in peace to the Mariah. Um, oh yeah, man. That's yeah, but so that, sad. But, yeah, but uh, definitely, uh, I, I agree with you. My the Piaggio is my least favorite airplane. Oh god, it's it's that, and then the um, uh, god, what's it's the uh, the uh, man at Mitsubishi Mu Two B. Man, that thing is loud as shit. I was on the ramp pre-flooding, and this guy was starting up like maybe a couple hundred yards a couple hundred feet away from me and i was literally deaf when i walked in the fbo like my ears were ringing i was like dude this is awful yeah i can only imagine how loud is it is in the cabin though well in the cabin you got soundproofing got the headphones on you know the, i'm sure he's got but he's flying corporate he's got the bose 820 so the noise canceling he's probably got kodak that <laughs> it doesn't matter for him <laughs> yeah but i'm talking about the passengers he has in the back not the guy flying it <laughs> Oh man, those passengers, well, they're paying for it. You know, they can, if they can pay for the MU2, they can pay for, you know, hearing aids. Yeah, exactly. That's that, that's on them, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's practically all I got for you. Unless you got something yeah. else you want to add. <laughs> Yeah, well, what's your favorite airplane, man? I, I kind of was at a – I didn't really uh, – I wasn't ready for that question. came out of left field. What's your favorite airplane? Well, I have many favorite questions, uh, airplanes, but um, if I had to choose one, like, it would definitely be the 757 with Rolls-Royce engines. Oh, man. The, the RB211s, yeah, they sound great. Yeah. I mean, they sound great. You know, you got eight brakes on the main gears. You, know, you can stop on a dime, leave on a dime, and yeah, yeah, I mean, the I, the, awesome. Yeah, you can fly like across the Atlantic with it, you know. And it's crazy because you know they're getting old. The fleet, I mean, they can't be flying them forever, and there really is no replacement. I mean, as much as Airbus wants the A three twenty one Neo, uh, whatever the the Neo, their long LR, whatever, yeah. or seven thirty seven Maxes, as much as Boeing Airbus want those to be the replacements. They don't have the specifications that the seven five does. They don't. They can't take off as in, as little runway. They don't have that great performance as the seven five, and the seven five is old, so there is no replacement. Yeah. So I think Boeing really dropped the ball there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one. That Boeing could have definitely done the seven five seven NG and blown the the three twenty one uh, Neo XLR and the Max just like out. Exactly. Yeah. But Boeing's too busy creating MCAS for their shitty 737 MAX system. So, Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to comment too much about Boeing and the MAX. But, uh, I mean, definitely, yeah. uh, I mean, definitely, I, I would I'll definitely take a 757 new gen over a MAX any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they faced a lot. I understand why they made it. They faced a lot of pressure from the market for a new generation of the 737. But, you know, the 737 is such an old, I mean, it came out in the 1960s. It's such an old platform. And the fact, I mean, it's almost like a Frankenstein plane. It was intended as a regional jet back in the 60s. Now they're turning it into, they want to turn it into like a, you know, a, a transatlantic carrying airplane. It just doesn't make sense for the platform. And there's a lot of issues, you know, the landing gear doesn't fit bigger engines and all that kind of stuff. They're really pushing this plane to the absolute furthest they can. And that's well, why they're having to have well, well, I mean, they already pushed it past the limits. That's why they had to create the MCAS, right? I mean, exactly. I mean, the, 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 the 737, 700, 800, 900 that didn't have the MCAS. And, I, I, and I, I'd argue that they would essentially have, should have stopped there with the 737. Yeah. I mean, I can understand why they, 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 they did the max, but, you know, they should have been doing the 757 NG regardless. And I believe they were, and I believe they still are working on the 797. But the issue with that is it's going to be uh, – it's not going to be a narrow body. It's going to be a wide body, which doesn't make sense to me. So it's – right off the bat, it sounds like it's going to be nothing like the 7.5. It just doesn't I – just, I just don't get it, man. It's, it's leaving – and it left a lot of people scratching their heads as soon as that news came out about the 797. So Yeah, and, and funnily enough, the 757 has the same type rating as the 767. So they're essentially interchangeable. Exactly. Yeah. That's why uh, Condor Airlines, they only fly 757, 767 because it's the same type rating, essentially. Yeah. And Delta guys, they all fly the 75s and the 76s. Yeah, exactly. Because they're, they're just interchangeable. One day you can fly a 75, next day you're flying a 76. No change, change in the type rating required. You know? Yeah. Maybe you just have to do like an iPad course with a new gen because it has new avionics on it. But 
It's not like you're doing a whole like level D, you know, sim full motion yeah, simulator. I mean, that's a headache. Yeah, I mean, I'm not getting it, but you know, Boeing is being Boeing, I guess, right now. Right now, so they're doing what they're going to do. There's a great Netflix documentary on it, Downfall, the case against Boeing on Netflix about the Max situation. Yeah, I watched it, uh, and there's also a YouTube. Um, movie on it let me see what is it called i have it saved here in case anyone wants to watch it uh it's called boeing's fatal flaw it's from i'll have to watch that i haven't seen that but um yeah definitely definitely recommend watching those two things i mean then you see the real competitive competitive pressure that boeing was pushed on there and how they're just dropping the ball exactly yeah and yeah, it's just a shitty situation for Boeing because you know, because it, it was the pride of the U.S. for such a long time, and now now look at it. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. It's it's been a pleasure to be on here. It's pretty cool to be on the podcast. You're the, now the second podcast that I've been on, so it's always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, we'll do a little bit of a debrief later. And uh, thanks for coming on.